Hi, and welcome to the Birds and Bees podcast. I am your host, Sue Johnson, professional nosy person and cranky old feminist, and welcome to season two. I had the opportunity to sit down with Jen Ponton, actor, fat activist, and all-around badass. Um, and unfortunately, the first five minutes of our interview has disappeared. So you're going to be joining us mid-conversation talking about Jen's voice acting role as uh, the first fat Disney princess. Um, please enjoy, like, rate, and review. Thanks so much. Be kind to yourself. When we, ha- when we all have internets right in our pockets and in our hands, and we can easily just say, oh, hey, who voices XYZ? And you immediately get a picture of that person. And so for, you know, all of the Disney characters in the past who were supposed to be people of color who are played by white people, you didn't know that. You would never have known that in 1960, 1970, because there was no way to find it out unless you like went to Burbank and were like, excuse me, like it just didn't exist. But now that they're, I mean, it seems ludicrous to say something like there's built-in accountability because nobody's taking accountability for fucking anything right now, but still. It's chaos right now. Chaos. <laughs> there is some, there's like some really bottom of the barrel accountability that just comes with, well, people have access to this information and simply because they can access it, Someone's going to have questions if this character is not matched to a person who doesn't actually face the marginalizations that the character faces. And I think that's really important ethnically and in terms of sexuality and gender and size and ability. So, like, I feel really grateful and delighted that Julie has taken her success and leveraged it to say, I really want fat talent reading my books because Mm -hmm. my books are about fat people and I need to make sure that there is a fat voice who understands this particular road of life. And um, Jennifer Weiner did the same thing with, um, with me for her, uh, for her children's book a few years ago, the littlest Bigfoot. Um, I didn't know she wrote, I'm not a Weiner fan. (laughs) <laughs> sure. I wasn't aware that she also wrote children's novels. Uh, this was her first one. It, 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 it's supposed to be a trilogy. I did two books and I'm not sure if the third, I don't know what has happened, but I voice her plus size uh, Bigfoot, or not Bigfoot character, her plus size heroine who is, you know, this little fat girl who doesn't fit in with her like waspy thin, thin family and she is just always kind of erased in their presence and then she meets these people who embrace her and feel like her and um yeah and it's all pretty much an allegory i think for like different cultures that are much more accepting and embracing of like just living a a, a full and zesty life no matter what you look like yeah i think one of the takeaways that I've gotten from you and other fat activists is take up the space. (laughs) Take up the space. Absolutely. I, I, yeah, it it just, because then it gets kind of spirals into fat is ugly. Fat is unhealthy. Um, Fat is lazy. Mm -hmm. Do you, um... but (laughs) I feel like more people need to hear about this. It's like being 
above a size was what's a straight standard straight size eight right that's like the high end of thin is eight that's I think me yeah that's a medium like right it, it would i to you or i it would look like oh look at that very thin person but i guess you know in the warped vision of the culture an eight is yeah is like well you're getting towards large mm -hmm. <laughs> god <laughs> But, but you know what? I think all the hullabaloo in taking up space, we've gotten so many great options for people. Like Christian Siriano, he's tiny, but he, uh, he's he makes so it well known. Yes, he's like a little tiny elf, but he makes <laughs> so many gowns. Like he works with Nicole Byer. Has he ever worked with you? Did he make no. this red jumpsuit that you did for your TED Talk? No, I do love that. I'm going to plug them. I love them. That's Marais Portois who are um, a small boutique out of New York and they premiered at Fashion Week maybe in like 2018. Okay. So um, I, I love <laughs> them. I, I love them and they're very affordable. Like they don't, excuse me, they are, you know, they are select like boutique items, but they really are super affordable. And I don't think you'll find anything above the realm of like two or $300. I think wow. most things, you know, most things are like department store prices. They're they're wonderful, and they make this fabulous like wrap illusion jumpsuit that fits perfectly. Like, I I I was shocked when I got into it because I was just I was sure that the cups would be a total <laughs> disaster, right? Because they always are. Yeah. And they just weren't. And so <laughs> they made this suit in like this gorgeous uh, red chiffon and they make another one in like bright magenta, if that's more your, uh-huh. <laughs> that's more your style. <laughs> I have red hair. So reds are a little chat. Well, I'm wearing a red sweater today, but see, <laughs> I'm, I'm all walking contradiction. <laughs> just lean into it, right? <laughs> that's right. And I think the other great thing, although we have miles to go, so now we have all these stylists and fashion companies and I, I even feel like and i don't know if you've noticed this but i even feel like accessories were not even available to people again over the size of eight i don't know why like <laughs> when was the last time you could find a well not now but like when you were younger let's say prior to 2010 when was the last time you could walk into any store that wasn't elaine bryant and find a belt right yeah. right <laughs> impossible impossible yeah. and like wide with shoes um yeah you just had to lean on like earrings which is why we classically have the most fun bananas earrings in the world yes. always <laughs> I since i was a child yes <laughs> totally me too <laughs> <laughs> and i also think because of that more focus i'm like oh my god straight sizes don't even like i sometimes i would shop at target i'm like this says 12 but this doesn't feel right <laughs> right but so i feel like people black women especially black owned businesses latinx businesses they've reaped the benefits as well there's a lot more focus on like not only are you buying these amazing belts but they were hey they were made by a um an entrepreneur who's a black woman who's also in the plus size community absolutely got a long way to go yep <laughs> a long way to go i'm glad that the focus on 
on black women owned businesses, especially in the realm of like, hey, we've been carrying plus clothes forever because this is our shit. Like yeah. it, it's white folks and it's white supremacy that cannot get on board with fat bodies. Um, but I think, God, it, it's, it is maddening how slowly it moves. But I think, I think the equation of like, oh, white supremacy make fat phobia this is about black people like very slowly the equation is coming together for the culture as opposed to you know uh concern trolling and health mongering and all of the normal bullshit that you and i have heard for centuries <laughs> and especially with the focus to being on um health has become um, food has become very racist as well like yeah oh, rice and beans that's that's will make you fat and you should be ashamed of your culture and to eat this quinoa instead mm-hmm mm -hmm. and who are we robbing that one from exactly <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> i could go on a lot of i'm in recovery for eating but um <laughs> So I, I just kind of get hypersensitive when we start talking about food is good, food is versus right. evil food. Like food, mm -hmm. have, they're, it's not sentient. <laughs> it's it's not sentient. It, and, and the way that we have, oh God, just the myriad ways that we have programmed certain things to have like, uh, like the way that we treat carbs at mm -hmm. all. The way that we've been talking about them and the way that it's clearly the way we talked about fat in the 90s and the way that we talk about sugar now, but we didn't like just watch the pattern, folks. We always have something that we demonize and it's the wrong thing. So why is it more correct now that it's, you know, simple carbohydrates or whatever nonsense? I don't know. I save my mental health and don't pay very much attention to it at all. Exactly. Like, yeah, it, it, it's it's great to finally be able to be like, oh, I can tune this out. This yeah. banana and eating did not rob a liquor store. Oh. I just needed a banana. <laughs> that banana was on the lamb. <laughs> he had to make a quick split. Oh, I love it's coming in hot for your season two. <laughs> <laughs> solid solid <laughs> thank you thank you but um i do encourage anybody who's listening to this please check out instagram for plus i hate saying plus size but larger than right. straight sizes. there's just so many options now and it's so great and i feel like well obviously racism kind of seeps into this capitalist society that we've been living in for the last Hundred and some odd years, two hundred years, um, <laughs> interminable hell. But always, I always try to do shop shop small instead of. And I, I felt a twinge of unhappiness when mod cloth got bought out by Walmart. Walmart. That yes. felt like I was directly in. I, they stabbed yes. me. In the <laughs> they took off their glove and slapped you in the face. I felt oh, the yeah. same way. And then they're, they're indie again, aren't they? Because they sent out a big email. Oh, maybe you didn't get it. Maybe you unsubscribed. Yeah, I, I said, Mod Cloth, you are dead to me. So now we're back on the, 
All right. Good to know. They are. They're, they're indie. They sent out a huge email. No. Was it during the pandemic? I want to say it was maybe before because I was like, oh, okay. And I, and I made a purchase as like, thank you. But um, yeah, they sent out this giant letter and they were like, things with Walmart were not what we wanted and we were disillusioned and we're back and we're doing our own thing and we really want to retain our, the customers we love. And so, yeah, I think if I'm remembering this correctly, outside of Quarren Brain, <laughs> I believe that they're indie again. But yes, I felt the same way, like for the most joyous experience of shopping online that you could possibly ask for. Oh, yeah. We just, you know, people of any size just want to feel great about themselves. And I think that's the misconception that I found in the fat activist community is like, it's not that you're confident, it's that you love yourself. And I, that right. is incredibly hard to do. Uh, even right. for the thinnest of people, it's really hard to love yourself. <laughs> but, but that's, yes. That's what you have to do. You, you, you have to give yourself unconditional love. How did you find yours? I'm, I'm not going to assume anything that <laughs> your journey, but how, how did you finally just be like, fuck it. Jen is fat. Jen is happy. Jen is going to fight for other fat people. Oh, that, that was a very affirming time for me when I finally found that. And it was like, it was like putting on the most comfortable sweatpants ever. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is what I was supposed to happen all this time. So I had an ED. Uh, I mean, I have an ED, uh, but my ED was kind of rampant in college. And I was the thinnest I've ever been in a, as an adult, which like in terms of <laughs> in terms of really believing that people are meant to be fat, like, hello, girl, pick up the phone. You're supposed to be a fat person because <laughs> this is where it ends. Um, and I was really like, my my mental health was in the toilet. And I, um, and I sort of stopped the habits that were, I stopped engaging so hard in my ED just because I didn't know, I, I had no idea where I could go from there. I just felt completely depleted. And so I was like, all right, let me not do these things that I think I absolutely need to do. And, and I felt much better, even though the self-loathing sort of like then went up. Mm. And, um, I started, I come from just like the Jennifer Weiner story I, I was talking about. I come from a thin family. I come from a thin family of alcoholics and I'm an only child. So I come from people who don't eat, <laughs> which is why I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, and, um, and so because of that, I didn't have fat bodies around me. I was like the only, I was one of the only fat kids in school so much so that of course you feel like you're the only fat kid. Oh, yeah. Um, and I had no fat adults to teach me in good ways and bad, right? Because if you come from a genetically fat family, then I think you get some guidance, sometimes for better, some probably sometimes for worse. But you, you know, you like, you learn what to expect from the world, quote unquote. And I didn't have that at all. So right after I got out of college, I started, um, I don't even remember how I found it at the time, but it was the fatosphere. So depending upon how long you've been in, fat lib in the 
early and mid aughts. So this was around like 2007 for me. I found this blog ring called the Fatosphere. And so all of these like tent pole people who we know really well now, like Substantia Jones, who runs the Adipositivity Project. Yeah. Um, Lindy West, it was a little early for her, but like she'd be folded in very soon. Um, absolutely Feminista Jones, Kate yeah. Harding, like all of these, I'm not, um, who's the curvy fashionista? Oh, um, shit. Oh, I remember her. And I remember her name. Uh, Marie Denae. Marie yes. Denae were huge tentpole um, activists who are very well known and beloved now. Um, were part of this blog ring that talked about health at every size, that talked about intuitive eating, that talked about medical ignorance, that talked about so on and so forth. All of these main arguments as to why being fat is not actually the problem and is not actually wrong. And I forget what my little rabbit hole into this world was. But as soon as I got there, I was like, oh my God, these are all my fat fairy godparents that I didn't actually have. And what do you mean being fat is like, okay, and maybe my body is actually supposed to do that. And what do you mean that I can find cute clothes? And so like, there were all, and like live journal communities of sharing. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I would work retail and I would do auditions like all day long and I would come back at night to my really crappy apartment and I would, and I would read through what I lovingly call my master's degree in fat lib and I would just get this education that, you know, you can't undo your ED, but I think if you surround yourself with enough support, and I think radical education, you have a better toolkit to draw from. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't have that toolkit at all, which none of us are given because this culture blows, then, then how are you supposed to combat it? But now I have that toolkit even when my ED tries to find little chinks in my armor and little cracks in the sidewalk here and there and is like, oh, hey, wanna play again? And I'm like, no. <laughs> No, yeah. absolutely not. I, I think that I've <laughs> been telling uh, folks, I work in healthcare, I'm just talking to patients. I'm like, it feels like the last two years have been on hold. And I know for me personally, I had to do a lot of stopping and kind of getting that those ED voices under control because yeah. it felt like we were in free fall, but like really slow. Like I was going down the rabbit hole, but like very, very like time lapsed of photography. <laughs> it sneaks up on you. Yeah. It sneaks up on you. And all of a one day I just like do a thing and I'm like, why did I do that? Oh <laughs> hell no. No, no. The devil is not allowed here. <laughs> Get Satan. out. Satan. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't usually do talk about this, but because um well, I if you've ever listened to the podcast, <laughs> you know, I do tend to talk to queer people. You came out last year. Um, I did. I, <laughs> um, I, did. I don't usually talk about people's coming out stories, but because this is fresh and new for you. Definitely. Um, was that again, like 
Well, instead of putting on sweatpants, probably be like putting on wings, maybe. <laughs> yes, putting on wings and a little, like a little crystal crown and yeah, and a boa. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, and also very much in slow-mo. So, uh, I mean, I'll be, I'll be very vulnerable and, and bear with you because this is all so new. It's all so new and it's dense and I'm honestly probably going to write a memoir because oh, it's been read the shit out of that <laughs> it's been so intense um so i would say going back to your last question about like how did i get involved and so i really just sucked up everything that i possibly could i absorbed everything from the fatosphere that i possibly could and i found community activities like so oh, what state are you in uh, upstate new york Oh, you are. So did you ever go to the Big Fat Flea when they used to do it in, in the city? Oh, <laughs> it's the beautiful, it's the most beautiful fat queer experience ever. If you're in upstate, you're close enough. No, I'm not. So I'm in near Albany, which is three hours. That's okay. No, 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 no. Too far is like up near the Burlington. That's too far. But capital region, absolutely. <laughs> you can definitely, there are people who come from all over the country to do this. The Big Fat Flea is the fattest, queerest, most glorious community run clothing swap, essentially, that has ever existed. And it's beautiful and it's run, it's run, run primarily by queer fat femmes, but um, everything is everything is very volunteer based and so they they arrange for volunteers to go pick up everybody's lo loved used clothing or even sometimes things with tags and like brands that are you know uh to be used for giveaways or like just excess um excess stock and they gather thousands and thousands of items and they keep them in a storage spot the organizers and then they have volunteers on the days before, on the day and probably afterwards to do like listing of items, setting up, hanging them on, you know, on clothing racks and setting them up on size tables. They were one of the most, one of the first like really gender aware spaces that I that I ever took space in. So like, it was the first time that, that it occurred to me that pronouns would be an important process in gender politics and it was the first time that i learned that i was actually going to be around a lot of trans people a lot of non-binary people a lot of trans men a lot of trans mask um some trans femme and how important a fat safe space was because there are lots of ways in which fatness and queer identity are at odds like with like with yeah. queer cis male culture it sucks it's rate of eating disorders come from young gay men. <laughs> oh my God. It kills me. It kills me. It feels, I, it feels like the complete opposite of, of a fat queer femme experience, which is usually, okay. you know, way on the other side of processing those things. Um, and so I would say probably in like 2009, 2010, I was around, I was around trans folk and fat queer folk 
for in community, like for the first time. And that was, I would say, the first time that I was like, oh, oh, I might not be straight. <laughs> That's an interesting thought because I, uh, like, I know it's a little too on brand, but like I started dating um, the man who would become my husband when I was just in college and he's a sweetheart and he's my best friend and I love him to pieces. Um, but I was with him so early that I did, I never had any kind of formative experience. Mm. Like I, I really did not date much at all. I didn't even have a kiss really until I was in college. So like I was, I'm a very slow developer and I'm a late, I'm a late bloomer. And so, you know, here I am engaged to this man. Um, and for the first time at, because I didn't really find myself, um, in a lot of situations where I was around lesbians or, you know, queer AFAB people. Um, but every time I was like, there would be a little, little teeny tiny light going on in the back of my head. Like maybe you should pay attention to that. And I was like, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> and so the light would come on essentially pretty much every time I would be in queer community, which is not very often because I live, I work in a field that is not saturated with homosexual AFAB people. It's saturated with homosexual male people. <laughs> yeah. And that's unfortunate because I never had the space to be around queer AFAB people and be like, oh, this is what I want. No, theater, we don't have enough lesbians. We just don't. Really <laughs> so <laughs> so um, it took a really long time and that light would come on more and more. And I was like, maybe I'm just curious. Maybe, I'm, I mean, why would I not be curious? But eventually it started to present so regularly in me that I'd say by 2018, I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I've been very, you know, like, uh, literally on the straight and narrow and, uh, and, and living a very, you know, uh, monogamous lifestyle. Like, so there was no talk about opening, opening a marriage or being poly or anything. And like, I don't, I don't tend to think that that's how I would really want to engage either. Mm -hmm. So, um, so eventually 2019 came and I was in a really bad mental health space because I was so aware of it that I could feel my soul like atrophying and my soul being like, bitch, you have foreclosed on the person that you're supposed to be because you are deeply loyal and deeply loving of this man that you married. Um, but it leaves no room for you to be who you are. And mm. I was like, fuck. And so I started seeing a therapist in 2019. And by the end of 2019, I was like, I am gonna come out in 2020. <laughs> and so like February happened and February was really crazy. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it in March. So in March of 2020, I was like, I'm coming out. And then my husband got what we thought was COVID. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and I was like, cool, I'm going to sit on it. Never mind. 
Just it's put fine. it in your back pocket for now. <laughs> oh my God. And then finally, so he was really, he was very sick. It wasn't COVID. It was some weirdly timed immuno, autoimmune something that is now being monitored and he's okay. But like, whatever it was, he was quarantining in the basement with a fever for like two months, a fever every day. It was crazy. And this started in March. So it was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And I was just, I was away from him. And as I was away from him and, you know, not seeing him every day, I was like, oh man, I really gotta come out. Oh hell, I've really gotta come out. And like, I'm in this little chrysalis that I'm just sort of queering myself over and over and over as I like strip down the layers of like, heteronormative, the way people perceive me as a wife, the way people perceive me as a straight woman, the way people perceive me as all of these things, all these hats that were handed to me that are not really, they're, they're not mine to wear. And so thankfully, not COVID, he survives, he's out of commission and we we come together and he's like, yay, let's be romantic. And I was like, I'm queer. And I just like, <laughs> started crying and <laughs> it was a really strange and intense time and he was like so you want to be with women and I was like yeah and he's like do you love me and I was like yeah and he's like are you still attracted to me I was like yeah and he's like okay so then you want to cheat on me and I was like no <laughs> <laughs> no and so like but that was you know the sort of circular conversation. Right. I was, no, please. Oh, it's just because that's societal construct right there. Right? Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 This or that, not both. Yeah. Exactly. Diagram. There's no overlapping. And I have to say, if I had to give myself, I queer is queer is my label because it's so broad and because I'm still understand trying to understand. I suppose the best, however, depiction of it to not be bi erasing at all because bisexuals exist and I'm probably one of them, <laughs> <laughs> TBD, but I'm probably one of them. Um, I think of it like that pie chart that comes out on Bi Visibility Day and yes. it's like several pie charts, right? Yeah. And and from the tiniest little sliver of blue with the rest of it pink to like half and half or three quarters or whatever. And it's like, congratulations, all of these are bi. So right. I'm like, okay, okay, I, I'm, I'm probably bi, but I'm just gonna use queer because I just feel so fucking queer. Like <laughs> I just need to occupy queerness. I think you know, I think you know when the language is right for you. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Cause I don't, the person I'm married to, he's my husbeast. Cause then I, cause like, husband, that sounds like. Yeah, right. I felt like I was in bondage, not the good kind, like on a chain Yes, game. yes. Like, oh, this doesn't work for me. Um, so he's my husbeast. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. I love that because I don't know, you know, excuse me, I'm getting coffee sounds on your recording. That's, don't worry about that. You're here. Uh, <laughs> it makes me, uh, it, oh, I'll, I'll fast forward later, <laughs> rewind later rather, but it makes me wish 
that if I was going to be married to him, if I was going to choose that for my life, I would have chosen it from an older part that was more integrated where I would be like, hey, these yeah. are my non-fucking negotiables. I'm going to be queer and and strange and probably attracted to like seven times more women, 70 times more women than I am men, including you. But, <laughs> you know, um, I married, I married a sweet, sweet person who was just as young as me and we fell in love so young. And like, if I, I, I mean, he, in a not shitty way, he's very traditional you know very very traditional and uh not in a way that i feel like i'm under his thumb or or have been or was or whatever i mean it's right intense. but definitely in a way where uh there's there there is no room to really and like it's easy to not be aware of it in the moment because we're such weird fun people so our relationship is and we're very connected and our relationship itself is yeah. very queer in all of these ways but when it comes to like the tentpole rules husband wife monogamy everything it is it's very traditional and i think you know it's because he is uh he is a a, tra a classically traditional person and we our brains have only grown as as much as we have you know right. so like um where was i going with this so i come out to him and you know it's the cyclical like well but then you'd be cheating on me and to be quite honest to be totally earnest hey 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 you can't wiggle in here i'm recording <laughs> yeah you gotta keep you gotta keep quiet my dog dog Dog. Yep. I took his I took his bells off so he wouldn't make sound. And now he's really excited that I'm around. So he's wiggling on the carpet. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's the cyclical conversation until but I'm like losing my shit. I'm absolutely mm -hmm. losing my shit because I don't know how to not make myself look like a someone who just wants to like change the rules for them or whatever and I was like I don't know if you want to go be queer too like or whatever right you could do like I this is not just for me and he's like oh you're just trying to make the rules even so you don't feel badly and I was like no well, that's not it but I would not even have the words to to like legitimize the actual experience that I was having that I would just, you know, tilt would like come up behind my eyes and I'd be like, I need to leave this conversation. And what the fuck am I going to do anyway? Right. Because it's quarantine. There's no queer community. So this beautiful coming out experience that I had thought I was going to have, where I would have to like drink coffee at 7 p.m. and like go out with Lillian and like, yeah. you know, paint the town red and like go hang out with all these queer friends and probably hook up and like have all these experiences that I've never, ever had, not just as a queer person, but also just like as a person who didn't party and didn't even like do that with boys, like mm -hmm. it just, it, it's, it didn't happen for me. And so um, eventually he realizes that that tilt is just coming up too much. And I was like, I don't even know how to talk about this with you. It makes me feel like there's no, like I'm up against a brick wall. And he was like, okay, we'll figure it out we'll figure it out. Like, I, I want you to be happy and I want you to be who you are. So I want you to pursue what you need. And I was like, 
okay, we'll figure it out afterwards. And I got on Lex, which is a very wholesome little app that's like classifieds. It's just classifieds. And then you can, it's lovely. Um, if you are poly or if you're ever searching for a partner, Lex is just this queer only app that oh. like, it's, you're just as likely to find a very earnest, um, impassioned plea for someone to love as you are to find like, I need houseplant advice. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how queer it is. It's really wholesome and lovely. And I got on Lex and initially I mostly found cis femmes who were going through what I was going through. Oh, wow. And I was like, I'm not like ready to date. I'm so overwhelmed. I just want to not feel like a freak for, mm -hmm. you know, not, not, not a freak in terms of like, I'm queer, but definitely a freak in terms of like, I'm detonating the primary relationship in my life. And, right. and, and am I a bad person? Where do you go from here? Where the fuck do you go from here? So I found a lot actually, and I would talk to these, these other women every day, many of whom, oh. yeah, many of whom were either previously identified as straight and came out as like bi in pandemic, or in a couple of instances, people who knew they were queer and they were in heteronormative marriages, but then they realized, oh, I'm not just queer. Like, I don't want to be with a man at all. I am a lesbian. I am jokingly full on gay. Like, you know, as we <laughs> search for these terms that <laughs> resonate with us. And, um, and so I felt we, I think we all felt camaraderie with each other, but I wasn't like answering anybody's, uh, uh, actual classifieds for like love. I was just perusing from a distance. And then I found one um, that was like earnest, but really fun and funny. And I, they made a really funny joke at the end. And I messaged them and I was like, oh, funny joke. And then they messaged me back. And then we just started talking. And our Lex conversation turned into exchanging numbers. And then we were texting all day every day all night and i very quickly fell in love with uh the person who is my partner now um and they lived in they live in minnesota and we um and so i had uh, a a long distance partner for like three months and then I told my husband and I was like, so I have found someone and I have big feelings for them, just so you know. And like he and I would talk in a therapy, in couples therapy about like, okay, integrating a partner. What does that look like for our relationship? What does that look like for this one? Are there certain boundaries that we're not like, what are we doing here? And I was like, okay, well, I officially want to transition to just platonic with you because mm. I don't really want to be a poly sexual person. Like, I clearly have huge, huge love for you. That's unquestionable. But and I don't... You just don't want to express it in that way anymore. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. It now, feels, it now feels like he's my best friend and, like, sibling. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and so, 
So I met my partner for the first time. They came out to New Jersey to stay for about six months. So, I mean, real U-Haul energy. <laughs> and um, <laughs> basically to pare it down a little bit, like they were in New Jersey for six months. Um, and then when they had to go back to Minnesota, I was like, okay, cool. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm sitting here in my heteronormative life again. And this is the first time that I've been in my heteronormative life in like a year. And it feels so wrong. It felt like wearing the wrong size shoes. And I was so, just going to say that, like wearing a pair of shoes that are way too tight. Absolutely. So you were feeling concerned. Absolutely. Yeah. So much so. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I've talked with a queer friend before who was like, she was like, you know, I thought I was bad. I thought I was bad at sex. And that was like an internal judgment oh. that I was keeping for myself. And she was like, I have learned through queerness that I am not bad at sex. And I was like, yeah, same. <laughs> same. <laughs> like, oh my God. Um, you know, and I'm not, I'm enough of a real soft romantic to be like, also, I don't think that this is just cut and paste for any given AFAB person plus me. Like, I'm yeah. sure that a lot of that, a significant portion of that is like the, the, the special sauce, you know, that I share with my partner. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Take that as you will. I won't even redact it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, the first being with them physically in 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 every realm just felt like finally wearing the right size shoes mm -hmm. and i was like oh yeah sure you can wear a half size too small and you never really know it's a half size too small until you put on the right size mm -hmm. and and you know it's not undoable it's it's fine and then it's not just fine it's Oh, wow. I feel so good about this in every way. I feel so, you know, comfortable and confident and capable and like I'm actually enjoying this in a way that is very, very different. Just very, very different from heteronormative experiences. And um, so, uh, when my partner went back to Minnesota, I took that moment to be like, oh, fuck, no, I can't go back in these shoes. Even oh. if it's just temporary, like, I don't want to put these shoes back on. And it was really hard, but I took a separation from my husband mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm going to go out to Minnesota and I'm going to go be with Jory. And um, I have, I've been commuting back for work, but um yeah, I've been in Minnesota for the last six months <laughs> living that U Haul life. You survived your first Minnesota winter. It was bullshit, let me tell you. That was <laughs> bullshit. I had no idea. Um, the craziest thing is that um, I, I come from parents who never lived out of New Jersey either. It's a point of pride for me. And I still don't technically, because I'm not legal here and I won't be because I technically have to be back by the end of the summer. So I have to figure something out. But my parents have respectively never lived outside of New Jersey, except when they went to Minnesota for six months 
when um before me before they were even married they went out to live in minnesota for about six months and then they were like well this is bullshit we're going back to new jersey <laughs> I will last a little longer. I will probably be here closer to a year, but um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. There's probably not good pizza in Minnesota. Having come you would be surprised. <laughs> you would because of the cheese. Let me tell oh, well. you. Okay. Cheese... Now you said my secret language. Exactly. <laughs> my love language is cheese. <laughs> they, first of all, Twin Cities food is quite excellent. I'm shocked. I really am. I'm shocked. <laughs> Twin Cities food is quite excellent. And there is a place that makes something called Italian fries. And Jory said that. And I thought, well, they're just going to be fries with like marinara and like oregano on them, right? Because that's what you yeah, get at a diner. Right. That's not what they are. It's <laughs> like the best possible iteration of, of Domino's cheesy breadsticks. <laughs> it's a very, very, very flat pizza pie uh -huh. that... Uh, it's very large and flat, and it's got really good sauce on it and tons of cheese. And the cheese is so good because it's Midwest cheese, <laughs> probably Wisconsin cheese. And they and then they give you marinara sauce and they they don't cut it up like a pizza pie. They cut it up like like little dunker sticks. Right. And right. you just pull this very thin, very cheesy pizza apart and you eat it with marinara and it's so good. And it gives me such heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So shockingly, I have had pizza here that I like. Although I do have to I do have to give the um the small asterisk that I I am pretty gluten intolerant. So I don't usually have very good pizza at home anyway. I usually have to settle. Sometimes I will splurge on a slice or two and be like, oh, this is what we specialize in. But in general, <laughs> I do have to settle for pizza that's never quite, quite tops. It's Thank terrible. God you're not lactose intolerant. <laughs> Absolutely. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, out here would be the worst. It's really... The food here is um, shockingly good, I think. Well, I'm surprised. I, I You blew my mind because, right. you know, I was like, good pizza definitely is in New York and New Jersey. Absolutely. Possibly Chicago, although I don't consider that real pizza. It's <laughs> not. It's it's pie. It's tomato pie. And it's so good. Yeah. So well, good. I'm going to Chicago in a few weeks for um, for work. Yeah. So um, I like <laughs> Chicago. I like Chicago a lot. I'm going to be right on the, uh, the waterway. Okay. Is it Ooh, Lake like Navy Pier? Pier? Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's Lake Michigan. Yeah, and the beach is One of so the great nice. lakes. I would think I'd be better geography, but yes, I'm going to be right on Lake I know Michigan. so much more about the Midwest than I ever wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I was not planning on this. <laughs> not to hate on anyone. Uh you know, I, but yeah, I know a lot more about the Midwest than I ever planned on learning. <laughs> Life comes at you fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I gotta say, I, I, uh, we're actually, I actually kind of like, not Instagram stalked you, but you had liked something of mine and then we started following each other. So if, oh. if 
You, if my yeah, email address looked familiar, that is the name that it, okay. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, Sue and I have been online buddies for a long time. We have. Yeah. We have. And uh, so the first thing I did was Google. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the episode of 30 Rock. But I will say this. My, I do love, you're hysterical from start to finish in that entire episode. But the way at the end where you just kind of deadpan say, I'm going to back work. I'm going to back to work under that bridge. That actually is my favorite line. <laughs> Not Frazier. There's a gif oh, of God. that, <laughs> which is so crazy. There's I've just... never seen these gifs. My husband sent me that one. <laughs> he sent me that one, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's that's gifable." That I feel like that's the one that people quote <laughs> the most. Just something about your delivery when you say it, and you're just completely deadpan. I don't know it, that you you cannot learn that that was just innate coming from you it's just it's being from jersey right <laughs> you, you gotta know when to hold them know when to fold them you and judy bloom i think are the greatest new jersey national treasures oh my god judy bloom <laughs> yes i'm obsessed amazing <laughs> i don't know we've also we've got meryl streep I forgot Meryl's from Jersey. We've got Meryl Streep. We've got Whitney Houston. We've got Queen Latifah. We've got Jack Nicholson. <laughs> so he feels so L.A. to me, probably because he's been living there for the last time. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, no, have Nikki someone Marks like that. from Schenectady. That's where I'm coming. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you back. where you were from because um, when you see me do the puppets stuff, uh, my dear friend and collaborator, Kay, she is also from Schenectady. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, Michael. she's from Schenectady. She went to Scotia Glen Hills. Oh, yeah. Burn Hills. <laughs> yeah. To Glenville and then there's Burn Hills. So yeah, it's the suburbs. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, our time is almost up. <laughs> which I cannot believe. Did I tell you anything I, of worth at all? Are you kidding me? This has been such a great talk. I love that you were able to just give me a, an hour of your time because I know you're juggling probably a lot of different things at the moment. Um, Mostly just a total life redirect. Because what I forgot <laughs> to tell you is that I just sold my house like two days ago. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just sold my house. So, uh, like, I really truly don't know I, this is my new chapter starting like today. Like I know it's Minnesota for temporary, but I don't know what's going to happen. So oh. yeah. So mid, uh, <laughs> mid chrysalis. Fuck. <laughs> so 2022 will be another year of beginnings for you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Something's, something's coming. Don't know when. <laughs> Are you working on any new projects? Are yeah, I um, I just finished working on a TV show for Showtime called Three Women. If you are an avid reader, it's uh, Lisa Tadeo's book, which is um, nonfiction and she's anthropological in nature and she wanted to really drill down to like what the average woman's like sexual life was what her you know romantic wow. sexual life and so she ended up following the courses of these three women in her novel 
um one woman gets into like cuckolding one woman one woman um when she was in high school uh was being predated upon by a teacher who was older who was having a relationship with her um and so it follows like the litigiousness of what happens afterwards and the woman whose story i'm in is played by betty gilpin which oh, oh from glow uh-huh let me tell you i've worked with some amazing people i don't think i've ever worked with an actor on screen who delivers like betty i mean she's and like everybody in the new york theater scene knows that she's a phenom she she has been since day one but being with her in front of the camera i was like girl you are the real deal you are oscar winner real deal here you are she just, greatness she becomes those people like there's <sighs> if i talked to her today i wouldn't probably even know her you know what i mean like <sighs> yeah right she's <laughs> She's in, she's absolutely incredible. She's such a skilled actress and she's so, uh, I, I've really, really enjoyed working with her. So I've been working with her and Shailene Woodley, um, who also stars in the show as like Lisa Tadeo. Uh, it's, it's not quite the character. There's, it's a little bit fictionalized, but basically she's playing the Lisa Tadeo character um, in organizing and writing about these women. So. Interesting. I always think of Shailene as like a little wood nymph. <laughs> she is. She's also, oh, just so sweet and lovely and warm. Um, her hair's amazing. <laughs> you get lost in that hair. That hair know, right? you cannot get your fingers back out of that hair. It's so That's thick very true. It's <laughs> very true. She was uh she was, yeah, just incredibly, um, incredibly sweet and lovely. And um so that I think is probably coming out in the fall, I'm guessing, because I don't have a projected schedule. Like I think we're I think they're gonna be filming into May um for this season, which if I took a guess, if I just sh shot in the dark, I would say it's probably just a one season mm -hmm. experience, the way that so much TV is right now. Um oh, yeah. just one giant long film, <laughs> but with a definite end point. Oh, uh, yeah. It's amazing what we've kind of newly adapted since COVID. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's very true. I, I That makes me wonder if that's like the trajectory from here on out, if that's what we're going to be keeping, that's or at okay. least for the near future. So <laughs> that was my first time on set since. And I don't know how much I can say about it, but I will be, I'll be working on a, on a film um that stars uh peter dinklage and anne hathaway oh, wow. Wow, wow, fairly wow. soon but i can't find too much about it online so i usually only ex um disclose what's online just so i don't like overstep any ndas but they're not talking about it almost at all online so <laughs> under wraps at the moment but under wraps yeah. at the moment no idea what the release date is but i think <laughs> for three women we're probably looking at fall is my that's my guess. We'll see. Yeah. I will have to purchase that. <laughs> yeah. I don't have cable, so I ended up buying Diet Land. <laughs> Yay. Yes. You know, um, Prime lets you add on Showtime for like five bucks a month, I think. I think we ended up doing that for Dexter New Blood, and it was completely worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my.
my God, I loved that season. I watched all of Dexter with Jory while here in Minnesota. (laughs) Here in the middle of the the snowpocalypse. And holy fuck, A New Blood was so good. It was so good. Went beyond my expectations. And the soundtrack was amazing. (laughs) I thought so too. And isn't it interesting, especially because I binged the whole thing. I had never watched Dexter before. Um, I know, right? I had never watched it before, and Jory was like, ooh, A New Blood. And I was like, oh, I never watched Dexter. And they were like, we're going to watch all eight seasons now. And that's exactly what happened. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it, interesting how much TV has changed and how almost soapy the Miami procedural feel is when that was being made in, like, 2007. Yep. <laughs> To now where it's like, oh, this is cinematic. Oh, we are making some strong Emmy contender choices. Like the cinematography blew me away. Was it just like all that negative space? Oh, gray sky. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous. Just gorgeous. Such a good tonal shift in every possible way. Not that there's anything wrong with the first one. The first one is a product of its time. You know, like uh, at the sync, uh, synchronized with burn notice, right? So, like, you know, really like Miami Vice feel, but like, (laughs) I, I, yeah, it was gorgeous. All that negative space, like the stark cold, the fact that Dexter is living, is living a totally new life, the use of music, it was so glorious. And the, so many American Indian actors. Yes. Was, because the, not that they could have devoted a lot of time to this, but it do, I do recommend people doing a little research or maybe listening to um, some place underneath podcast about all of the missing and exploited American Indian women, particularly those actually that live on border towns up by exactly. the Canadian border. Exactly. It's funny. Oh, it's not funny. It's interesting that you say that because the work that my partner does is in anti-trafficking and specifically I had, you know, you and I are probably around the same age. Mm-hmm. If you grew I'm up in the East Coast, a lot, a lot, the blessings of being 46, but 46, I will be 47 in October. Don't smoke nicotine and you'll end up with skin like this. Are you, oh, are you a Libra? I am. I am. That's a partially I'm the gift. Libra. Then. <laughs> a double Libra. Mm-hmm. Gifted, but the oh, <laughs> oh my God! You're all Venusian. Mm-hmm. Oh, well then you're never gonna age. You just yeah. uh, one one lone painting up in some haunted little attic that. Dorian <laughs> Gray. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, I know you were born in '86, but I don't know your birthday. I'm you 84. May 4th. I'm 84, so I'm gonna be 38 84. on June 27th. You're a cancer. I'm a cancer. One of my dearest, dearest friends, her birthday is the 26th. Ooh. And, and our wedding is the 25th, our anniversary, because I wanted it to be near the equinox. Yes. Um, I think I might be Wiccan. I'm not sure. <laughs> Queer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yes, cancer, the nurturer. Yeah, absolutely. The deep feeler on everything. And almost all of my planets are in cancer, except I'm a sag rising and a Gemini moon, which is like the only thing that keeps my chart from being like one giant melted puddle 
of tears. tears. And, just tears. Yeah, just tears. <laughs> just tears. That's it. Those two placements are just Sagittarius moon. That means you have that huge big dick. Gemini energy. moon. Gemini moon. Oh, Gemini. Sag rising though. Yeah. Sag rising. That's the big dick energy. The Gemini moon is wow. You are like all things to all people. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, I am. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. I I like astrology. And you don't have to follow it if you don't want to, but don't make fun of me for it. <laughs> the thing that really gets me is when, is when men will be like, astrology's bullshit. Yes. And otherwise they'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a feminist. I support women doing this. And like, they'll call out other sexist shit. But then they're like, but also astrology is bullshit. Well, you think astrology is bullshit because it's been maligned for centuries because it's a woman's science. <laughs> so if you actually took off your dumb goggles, you would take a moment to maybe think about the female-led wisdom that has guided this planet for all of all of humanity and maybe give us, you know, a little cred. A smidge. Just a smidge. Why midwifery had midwifery had to go underground because of stupid fucking men who wanted to make money off of Oh my God. I forgot learning that. I wish I could forget learning that again. Yeah. I was born in a, uh, in a birthing clinic with a bunch of midwives. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's so my cool. mom did not have a hospital experience at all, which is absolutely why I'm not having children. Oh yeah. No, the family tree ends here too. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Cut that shit off at the quick. <laughs> I have two older brothers, so my nieces and my nephew, that's, that's enough children experience. And I have a cat, so, and you're a dog parent. I'm a dog parent. I have no children that are related to me though, which is weird. Cause like, I don't get to, I don't get to be the, the auntie. Um, I do, uh, my, my husband's niece and nephews are, you know, obviously they're always going to be my family and I love the shit out of them, but I don't have any kids who are like genetically related to me, which mm. Would be fun, but no, I'm an only child. They stopped there. I'm stopping here. <laughs> <laughs> More love for your puppers. Oh, endless. Endless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we really went over. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay by me. It's oh, it's okay by me okay. too. Okay, cool. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you for your quick response. I, I love your shirt you're wearing. Is this is Copper Union. Love it. Love do the rainbow. Do you follow Claire? Do you, do you follow? I recommend her heartily. First of all, her stories are really, really, really fun. And I almost always end up re reposting the stuff that she puts in her stories. She, I think she, uh, Claire is, uh, is a fat creator and makes all these clothings, uh, in, from like, you know, ethically sourced, uh, materials. She's the one who makes um, over like those tie them up overalls in like every oh. size. I think she goes to seven X. Wow, maybe more. She's Copper Union um, is the company, and they this is one of the uh, crop tops. And she uh, she yeah she just finds really fun fabrics, and then says that like usually in her stories that she can make 
20 crops out of this really fun print. So DM her if you want to get in on one. And then it's like, I don't know, 50, 40, 50 bucks. But like, it's so good. And she just, she's just a, a wonderful light of a human being and really fun and positive and a great, uh, a great fat lib person to have on our team. It's just, it's like pop art in the 60s and yeah. very new with the way the silhouette is. Right? I'm, I, I will definitely put links in this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining me. Please oh follow gosh. along at the Birds and Bees Pod at, on Instagram. And you can always shoot me an email at fairhead at gmail. We'll give the other email. The Birds and Bees. <laughs> <laughs> birds and bees pod at gmail.com if you have any questions concerns you want to be interviewed and jen ponton you have made my day <laughs> you're incredibly sweet and dynamic and this has been very joyful for me <laughs> that makes me so happy <laughs> have a great rest of your queer as fuck day <laughs> thank you so much susan Oh, uh, this has been so lovely. Thank you for having me. Anytime. You are welcome back anytime. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a check-in. Absolutely. Absolutely we will. Query branding. It's the revolution. It really is. I know, right? <laughs> Thank you so much. Take care. Have a good day. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>